Lord Jesus, we recognise your presence with us right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are released to speak to each heart today. This is my prayer. Amen. Welcome to Door of Hope. I'm really excited to be with you. Um, Welcome if you're joining us online. Welcome if you're here for the first time. It is an honour to be here and speaking with you today. We are in the second in the series of the Vision 2025. And Christy kicked this off with a consideration of what hasn't changed. How refreshing. (laughs) You know, we have been living out our vision to be a door of hope through Jesus in a fragile and uncertain world. And we've lived on mission, being Jesus-centred, others-focused, together in community for the entire time that I have been a part of this church. And I am testimony that that transforms lives today. It is as strong today as when I first began in this church and I say thank you, God. And we keep this current and fresh by stopping to assess where are we, what's the current context, and what should our priorities be. And Christy shared with us that we have three strategies that emerged out of a period of consultation that we entered into as a community last year. And they are knowing people, embracing authenticity, and engaging with our digital community. Yes, we see you. Our focus today is on the first of those priorities, knowing people. And I think it would be really tricky to be a door of hope, being Jesus-centred, others-focused, together in community, if we don't know people. Do you agree? Maybe say amen in the chat for me. Or here, happy for that as well. (laughs) And I thought, okay, let's think about the current context and I, asked my friend Google, what's the status of loneliness in the world? Do you know how many results I got? 821 million. I think it's fair to say that we live in a current season where loneliness is an epidemic and never more has the world needed hope than now. In Genesis, God said, it is not good for a human to be alone. Because we are created in the image of God who is in community because he's triune. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So our hearts long for community. Here's another beautiful Google fact or speculation. In our lifetime, according to my friend Google, an average person will meet 10,000 
people. It's interesting, isn't it? Now let's imagine if each of us impacts the lives of just 10 of those 10,000. I hope I'm right with my math. Is that 0.1%? (laughs) I do get confused with the whole decimal thing. Okay, good, I'm happy about that. 0.1%, that's not a bad, that's a pretty low benchmark, I think. And if each of those people did the same, in five generations, just 125 years, if we think about wherever or whenever you're joining us for this message and we say about 500, do you know that would impact the lives of 50 million people? Just 10. In his short lifetime of 33 years, Jesus changed the lives of thousands of people. And today, 2,000 years later, an estimated 2.4 billion people call themselves Christian. You're all thirsty now, aren't you? (laughs) Jesus' message was that God wants us to know him. And he also wants us to know each other because remember, it's not good for us to be alone. And as I began to prepare for this message, I looked into the Greek word, because I'm not a Greek scholar, that was translated for know. And the word I came up with was kinosko. Kinosko. Do you want to say that with me? Kinosko. I can't hear you online. I know you should be practicing kinosko, is the word the Apostle John used to describe knowing God. And it's the word used in Jesus' statement here. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father. The word kinosko describes the kind of knowledge that goes beyond information. It's a person-to-person, deep, personal, intimate kind of knowing. And it's a knowledge that leads to love. Here we read, the one who does not love does not kinosko God. For God is love. Knowing God like this in a personal and intimate way is a vital link that enables us to know people. So I have two questions for us to consider today. The first is how can we kinosko God? And the second, why does this help us to kinosko people? And I'm thankful that the first question was actually posed by the Apostle Philip in the final hours of Jesus' ministry on earth, John records this. Philip said, Sir, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone 
who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Glad I didn't ask him that question. So Jesus gives us the answer. Look at me and you will know God. So how about we take a closer look now at Philip and how he gets to know Jesus because I think we can discover what our next steps could look like. When we meet Philip, he's one of John the Baptist's followers at the River Jordan. And we know that he is a man from Bethsaida, the same as Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, who are some of the first followers. And in John 1.43, we read that Jesus actually approaches Philip and he invites him to follow him to Galilee. And this is Philip's response. Philip went to look for Nathanael. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Here is the entry level of knowing where you know about, it's information. It's something you've heard about. And I am sure that today we have people who are joining us who know about. And maybe, like Nathaniel, you have a Philip who invited you here today to find out more. And maybe you are hoping that this could be real. So I invite you just to lean in like Philip did because he, along with Nathaniel, John, Simon, Peter and Andrew, they go with Jesus and they find themselves at a wedding in Cana and they get to see Jesus surrounded by his family and people who have known him for a long time. And they get to see how he relates in a very familiar context. This is the next step. And we're inviting you on that journey today where you get to invite Jesus, accept the invitation perhaps that he's making to you to get to know him personally. Because in this personal place, these first followers experienced the miraculous. Jesus, out of compassion for a young couple, turns water into wine and he rescues them from beginning a life out of shame. Have you had a personal encounter with Jesus? Is it time today to invite him into your familiar and experience his miraculous touch? Maybe today is the day you could make a decision that you can put your faith in him. Now that Philip recognises who Jesus is, he commits to following him. learning more about who he is, watching him, understanding his character, his values and priorities. Philip gets involved in ministry. He's baptising people 
He's got the excitement of seeing this following growing, even exceeding John the Baptist. And remember, he was a follower of John's. And maybe that's you. Maybe you are involved, you are serving, you are getting to see Jesus touch the lives of people and it is thrilling. And if you're not, then that's your next step. Get involved. See how Jesus works. It is thrilling and it is exciting and there are opportunities for everyone here. And yes, even online, there is opportunities for you to get involved. It's at this point that Jesus begins to move his followers outside of the familiar. So this comes with a little bit of a side note warning. Jesus takes his followers on a really unusual route through Samaria. And you can read the account in John 4, verses 5 to 38. We don't have time to go into that today. I'll paraphrase for us. Jesus sends Philip and the others into a town called Sychar, Samaria, to buy food while he waits at the well. Doesn't sound like much of a challenge, except we have to just consider the fact that for Jewish people, this was significant because they did not interact with Samaritans at all. I have this picture of them, like eyes down, like just, you know, only looking at the ground, walking into town, quickly looking to see what they could buy, going in with the least amount of interaction and hightailing it out. I can see the dust cloud as they leave. So imagine their thoughts when they return to the well and what do they find? Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman and a Samaritan. But no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? They were immobilised, speechless, minds blown. See, spending time with Jesus does challenge our expectations. It creates discomfort and embarrassment and at times confusion. And we see Philip experience all of these. And there are probably people among us today who've absolutely experienced that. I'm sticking my hand up right now. Jesus reveals to us that God's love goes beyond our cultural and religious constraints. Knowing God is integral with us coming close to people that are outside our normal circles and certainly outside of our comfort zone. And that's good for us. And this is the next level where we get to know God's heart. It's a new level of ginosko. My question for you is, have you been challenged by the heart that God has for the lost, the untouchable, for those experiencing injustice, in need of our mercy and forgiveness?
like Philip, it renders you speechless. Can I encourage us to hang in there just like Philip did and allow Jesus to teach us to trust in him? In John's account of the feeding of the 5,000, we learn that Jesus tests Philip. Has anyone experienced one of those? When Jesus tests us like this, he provides us with an opportunity to experience the power and the authority of God. So let's see what happens for Philip. I've got the scripture on the screen and I won't read through it. But I want us to focus in on the question that Jesus asks Philip to test him. He's asking him about how to solve the problem of a mere 5,000 males, not counting everyone else who are really hungry. And what he's really seeing is, will he understand that he can ask Jesus for a miracle? Or will he think about an earthly solution to this big problem? Here we go. Philip replied, it would take a fortune to begin to do it. Remember, Philip was at the wedding. He's seen miracles, yet still he struggles to think beyond earthly limitations. What happens next is a masterclass in mentoring from Jesus. We see Andrew speak up, and he's mentioning a boy's lunch and despairing a little bit about a supply-demand issue. And Jesus simply instructs them to get everyone to sit down. I can just see the disciples looking at each other, cringing, shrugging, perhaps looking for a rock to hide behind. But nonetheless, without knowing what Jesus was going to do, the disciples get the masses to sit down And Jesus takes the loaves and fishes, blesses them, gives thanks to God. They're handed out and everyone eats until they're full and still there's leftover. See, miracles happen and Philip gets the chance to have this demonstrated, that it's not about what we can do, it's about what Jesus can do through us. And he's moved to this next level of ginosko, of God's faithfulness to provide when we are beyond our own capacity to solve whatever we face. When we find ourselves in situations that overwhelm us and we feel out of our depths, beyond our capacity, that's where God is waiting for us to ask him to provide a way forward. Will we trust God? Because we know his heart and we've experienced his faithfulness before. We sang about a firm foundation. Will we use that? You know, it's so sad that so many followers just turn away when they're faced with a challenge that's beyond their own limits and they don't see that they can trust God. 
So Jesus asked the 12, do you also wish to go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. When we face a challenge that causes us to question whether to keep following Jesus, consider this. Where else can you turn? We can trust what we know about Jesus and take the next step and follow him beyond the limits of our own earthly understanding. Jesus won't fail us. He never has. If you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. I stand here on this platform because I believe that. I believe that the spirit is given to me to help me face whatever God asks of me to do. After Jesus' ascension, the provision of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we see a radical transformation in Philip. In Acts 8, we find him back in Samaria. Do you remember the Sychar incident? But this time, he's telling people about Christ and he's performing miracles. He's casting out evil spirits and healing and people respond. And Philip is taken by an angel. He's following instructions given by an angel and he goes and has an encounter with the Ethiopian treasurer. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the chariot. Philip ran over and heard what he was reading and asked, do you understand it? Of course not, the man replied. How can I when there is no one to instruct me? And he begged Philip to come up into the chariot and sit with him. So Philip began with the scripture this man was reading and tells him about Jesus. The eunuch believes and is baptised. And so here we see this highest level of knowing God. It's when the Holy Spirit unites us with God's Spirit. Now we can be united with God through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we can be released by God to share the good news. The power of God works through us and positions us like Philip to be in the right place at the right time. And each of us have the opportunity to grow our personal relationship with God. We can move from knowing just about to experiencing him personally, knowing his heart, trusting in his faithfulness and being united by inviting the Holy Spirit all the time into what you are doing. And so right now, I want to invite us 
each to pause and consider how we ginosko God. And as we do this, we get to listen to God's word in scripture read over us. Let God speak to your heart and respond with a commitment to move to a new level of knowing him. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I know you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and I brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry. I am the complete expression of love and it is my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father could for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sands on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. For you are my treasured possession. I, I desire to establish with you my heart and all my soul. I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And I will take you away with all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father and I love you even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love. I gave up everything that I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son, Jesus, 
you receive me and nothing will ever separate you from my love again come home I will throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen I have always been father and I always will be father my question is will you be my child I am waiting for you love your dad almighty God I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen. So in the final moments together, I want to consider that second question. How does knowing God impact the way we know people? The fruit of us knowing God is that our character is developed. God's love overflows through us into the community we engage with. Think about our daily interactions with our family, our friends, our colleagues, acquaintances, and consider what level of knowing are you at? Do we stay at a level of knowing about the people we interact with? Or are we involved in sharing experiences with them? Are we connecting at a heart level with one another? If you're like me, it's a bit of a sobering exercise. And when I think about the people that I love and spend most time with, I do a lot of talking about stuff. Vanessa Van Edwards is a behavioural investigator and she's found that if we ask better questions in our conversations, we can create better connections. And thankfully, she has developed some questions that can help us think outside the normal ones. And these will pop up on the screen as I keep talking. And I have a copy of these available. And we do have a digital version, and that's gonna be popped onto our Facebook page if you would like a digital version of these. Because her questions are there to help us start up a conversation with someone new and kind of avoid those go-tos of what do you do? Where do you live? Are you married? Do you have kids? Because actually, in many cases, these do not create connection, they do the opposite. They can be a disconnect. And I love that we can think outside the normal and connect with a heart, like a simple question of what's your story? What's one thing that you would like me to know and understand about who you are? 
If we invest in our conversations and we connect with the hearts of the people we interact with, we will ginosko people. So why not commit to trying at least one of those suggested prompts and see what happens in our conversations? Do you remember the 10 people? the 0.1% of the 10,000 that we will meet in our lifetime, who will your 10 be? Philip moves from not interacting with people in Sychar to powerfully ministering to the Samaritans in Acts 8. That's the impact of knowing God on his life. He connects with hearts and he embraces the power of the Holy Spirit and he is guided by God's Spirit as he interacts with people. And he impacts and changes way more than 10. Imagine with me what will happen in our families and our neighbourhoods, our countries, as each of us today embrace the challenge of knowing people, as we put our trust in the Holy Spirit and we invite Him into every relationship and every conversation, and we allow Him to provide opportunities to introduce people to Jesus.